strong feelings. I can tell you that. So pretty, I feel pretty. I feel Qatari. I feel pretty and witty and gay. I feel Qatari. I feel pretty and witty and was bullied because I had uh, red hair. Hello, my gobbler nobblers. It's uh, Chappie, your British butler. Another edition of Keep Calm Cauliflower Cheese. 241 today. There's people slipping and sliding all over the place. We've had uh, weather that's barely been over 20 degrees. It's a bit warmer day. There's a little bit of melting. Time for the Wellington boots. Uh, But uh, I tell you, my new spikes are something to behold. I've actually consciously uh, been preparing myself and walking across ice. Now, I'd never do this. I'm such a scaredy cat. And I, when I went ice skating a few years ago, I spent more time on my derriere, my ass, my posterior, than, uh, than actually upright. So I'm a little bit cautious. I think if I go ice skating again, can I go ice skating with cleats on? Can I go ice skating with athletic spikes on, with these crampons? I think that's the only way I'm going to make it across the ice without slipping over it. And you know what? I could probably pirouette in these. I could probably wear one of those uh, Winter Olympic, uh, very sexy little skirts as well. Show off my wonder thighs. How's about that then? Anyway, so lovely to be here again for another edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. The trouble is though, when I'm uh, walking down across the concrete, down the steps uh, from the uh, crow's nest here at uh, Chappie Towers, there's a lot of sound. And it almost sounds like I'm sort of doing old-fashioned tap dancing. Just imagine Champy opening up the door. He has two hounds in tow that are pulling him. He has these spikes on. And this is a sound that my neighbours can hear. It's a little bit like Fred Astaire, you know, it's a little bit like Fred Astaire. Imagine me a la Fred Astaire singing in the rain and a little bit more of this. Yes, I'm tap dancing chappy and I'm so good at it. I'm really good at it. I'm really good. I'm so, I'm so talented at the tap and the dance and uh, the little pirouettes and everything else. I'm now... I'm now confident on the ice. I have complete confidence. And I think I'm almost ready 
for possibly a 14er, maybe a Trek up Everest with cleats on, and certainly some win, whimper, win, whimper, that's instead of the Winter Olympics, I'm going to enter the Whimper Olympics. That's probably going to be more of a, more of the style for me, your dearest host of this audio sensation, uh, which is um, if you if you scrape enough mediocrity off the top, we've got a bloody good podcast underneath, I think. Let's just have a little bit of a recap from the other day. Um, so I've uh, discovered that you can get invisible knickers. No, that's how not. That's not how the topic started. It's invisible thread, invisible cotton. My mother was telling me about this, and it's sort of metamorphosized into underwear, as it often does. You know, to be honestly, be completely frank, we had the blue coat saga where I was uh, sort of uh, verbally and textually wrestling with somebody over ebay because uh, he sent me a jacket with a little hole in it a little little or a little moth bite had been taken out of it something along those lines but today we never talked about vindaloo with no potatoes um we we will be talking about more about my tap dancing i think with my spikes here uh, also it's stir up stir it up sunday you know you don't have to put your stirrups on for stir it up sunday now that after a couple of beverages Probably after Friday, England against US. I know it's in Qatar, but um, it's Qatar. But um, you know, we still want to say we want to celebrate the English beating the Americans. It's always a lovely thing. I uh, need to get my powdered George III wig out, red coat, ready for the match on Friday. Don't know where I'm going to be. Possibly the British bully dog. Who knows? That sounds good, doesn't it? But it's not Stirrup Sunday, it's Stirrup Sunday. We'll be talking about that. You can buy a special case for your phone that adds extra protection and it gives it that seasonal, wintry look. We'll be talking about that. Also, I was down to the bare minimum in my fridge, plenty in the freezer, and I only had a dozen eggs. Yes, oh my God, I had a dozen eggs. Yeah, only a dozen eggs. Um, but I, I just, you know, I was scrambling and putting stuff together, literally scrambling. And I made myself a lovely breakfast uh, with some leftovers. And we'll be talking about that as well. We never talked about the five-hour McDonald's burger on the side. Is it still good enough to eat? Ow. I, I seem to have a smaller appendage. No, mate. No. Finger. We'll be talking about it. And also, uh, if you have the germline, which many of you expats listening and obviously people in the UK always need a germline, you need two different types of germline and make sure you label it, label it correctly. We'll be talking about that as well. Also, um, more fun facts about the UK that sound uh, made up. You know you're getting old, dot, 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 dot. Twitter is getting rather saucy. Yes, it's getting rather saucy. And... Um, We'll be talking about that as well. Anyway, that is the show for you. Settle down. I hope you've got your fluffy slippers on, your fluffy socks, maybe some of those sort of alpine Norwegian socks, a little bit of white and uh, lots of uh, Christmas baubles and snowflakes on them. They're the fluffy ones you need when it comes to listen to keep calm and cauliflower cheese. But the cauliflower cheese will warm you up, but we don't get your little tootsies getting cold, do we? So one of the headlines I saw on Twitter, and you never know with Twitter these days, this is a recent headline or ages old. I was woken up this morning by women in the next room having an orgasm. Gabby Logan said that. And uh, these are some of the Twitter replies. Oh, good morning. Also, as she lay napping, she heard a rhythmic slapping as through someone's cheeks were clapping. 
at the chamber door. It was a nade of a smashing, only this and nothing more. Those cheeks were clapping, still clapping, at the chamber wall for her to hear evermore. Clapping cheeks, no mortal has clapped before. Hang on my high-pitched voice, that can't be me, surely. And don't call me Shirley, whatever you do. No sex, please, we're British. Yeah, none of that. Was Abba playing in the background? Um, as she called down to reception, I'll have whatever she's having. If you're like me, you have uh, severe uh, sleep deprivation, narcolepsy, all of the above here. Uh, but Eric Prather gives his seven steps to better sleep. Prather's approach is based on cognitive behavioral therapy with this short evidence-based book. He offers seven practical sets laid out in a seven-day program. Significantly, some of 90% of Prather's clients present at his clinic with anxiety. Most of his uh, advice involves deflating daytime stress and worry. He suggests winding down to two full hours before bedtime, for instance, and taking micro breaks during the day. He also wants us to worry early by setting aside 50 minutes a day long before bedtime to list what's bothering us. So you have your little list here. Some of Prather's patients fold up their list and keep it by the bed. I've got a plan for this and tell themselves that when they enter a worry loop, I can park it there for tonight. There's science at work in all of this, psychological science mostly, but also some neurobiology. When you hit the afternoon slump, for instance, don't seek a restorative jolt of coffee because caffeine has a half-life of six hours, meaning that you have a double espresso at 3 p.m., you'll still have the equivalent of a single espresso in you at 9 p.m. Oh, you don't want a single espresso, a single in you at 9, 9 p.m., do you? Prava recommends putting your head in the freezer instead. Well, that might raise some eyebrows at work. Dunk your forearms in a sink full of cold water. Prather's two more important steps are focusing on stabilizing sleep rhythms. Step one is to get up at the same time every day. Prather said he has to bite his tongue at parties when he hears people saying they have to catch up and sleep at the weekend. Why? Because the body has two systems that regulate sleep. One is the internal clock or circadian rhythm, and the last thing you want to do is disrupt that. The clock, he explains, anticipates. This is why you wake up when you don't set your alarm. I woke up for the Cricket World Cup at one o'clock in the morning the other, uh, the other week because I wanted to wake up at one in the morning. I know, call me insane. It does the same in reverse. At bedtime, this is what our coordination, our body's other sleep system, homostatic sleep pressure. The longer we awake, the more this pressure builds up until it overcomes. Also, staying up late, that sounds counterintuitive, but the goal is to avoid fretful wakefulness in bed, which reinforces the association of the bed with sleep difficulties. Prather suggests setting a bedtime deadline of 1am. How about if you sleep in the dog's, dog's bed instead? That, you know, you don't associate sleeping in the dog's bed with uh, messing with your sleep uh, circadian rhythm and everything else, do you? Set, setting a bedtime deadline of 1 a.m., he never gets the sleep opportunity back to less than five hours. To ensure that you go to bed sleepy, then you progressively wind the time back by 15 minutes every day. He also insists that beds are used for sleeping only. If you can't sleep, he wants you to get up and do something relaxing until you feel sleepy again. Work and social media are banned. Sex does seem to be allowed, though. Although it's not clear, Prather only mentions the subject twice in passing, which is odd, given how many people do it in the bedroom. Sex advice aside, a deeply helpful book, likable style. Prather wants to fix our broken relationship with our bed. 
nighttime sleeping is like a dishwasher because it's also going through the cycles well don't go sitting on the don't go sitting on the dishwasher missus you'll never get off it it's not the light you need to turn off it's the engagement that's in, that's important i have this sort of jiggling motion with my leg now so i'm sleeping um what am i doing am i facing east or west i don't know but i'm sleeping i'm i'm, I'm sleeping to the right hand side of the bed and i'm uh, and I'm sort of on my side and I get my leg gently and the feet and leg gently jiggling and it gets slower and slower until I fall asleep. That jiggling leg thing, that sort of has worked for me the last week or two. I know we're in a cost of living crisis and all, but I had a vindaloo the other week that was all potato. And you know what? I wasn't that disappointed with it. I mean, I like a, vin- I like a vindaloo, an Indian plate, uh, like a little aloo as well. But there wasn't as much as the chicken that I like. And the problem I have when I get a curry is I want my chicken to be good quality. Only the breast, darling. Breast is best. I don't like too much leg or thigh. <laughs> and again, I hope nobody's like tuning into this halfway through. They think, what the hell is this perv talking about? But no, I like my breast cooked in the tandoor, tikka style, you know, little tikka on the skewer. That's how I like my breast chicken in the Vindaloo. Um, but you know what? They, 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 uh, they were cost cutting. They added a little bit more potato than chicken. And, you know, that was completely fine for me. I was, I was OK with it. I was OK with it. So you've got your curry winter warmer. I'll give you another winter warmer now. If your, if your phone is getting rather cold, I know in the summer, and I never saw this before, but if you leave your phone sort of resting on a sunbed, it overheats and stops working. That's, you know, that's what happens. It turns itself on. I don't know if it does the same in the cold. I haven't been cold enough yet to figure that out. But the North Face have introduced a little phone case that's like a phone puffy jacket. So you've got your, your, your phone now has its own North Face puffy jacket that keeps it warm protective if it falls and it's all made from recycled materials so if your phone's getting cold and you're thinking out what you need to get your phone for christmas because a lot of us you know a lot of us getting to that time of year don't leave the gift for your phone till the last minute get yourself a little puffy north face jacket for the phone this crimbo season these are favorite facts about the uk that sound made up that all British people are devilishly attractive to Yanks when we speak. It's like we are from some sexy planet. In Scotland, it's illegal for a man to propose to a woman's proposal of marriage on the 29th of February. If prosecuted, he could be fined the cost of a pair of gloves to cover for the woman's embarrassingly bare wedding finger. According to a Japanese research firm, over 40% of the world's inventions and discoveries were made in the UK. Also, I've been posting my letters in dog poo box for two years and it gets always gets sent, especially Santa's letter, just posted in the dog poo box. In 1906, Britain entered into the service HMS Dreadnought, a battleship so far superior of ever battleships on the planet that instantly made it obsolete. The ship got a single kill during World War I, the only kill on a German submarine in World War I, and it got via ramming. We have a small town called Shitterton, also Licky end. USA beat England 1-0 on the first World Cup football soccer in 1950. It was a very not expected result against the inventors of the game. A lettuce has outlasted 
a prime minister. True or false, the lettuce once lasted longer on the shelf than the British prime minister did in office. On the turning circle at the end of the street is so narrow they designed the steering on all London black taxis to be able to turn around it in one go. Edinburgh is further west than Bristol. Theoretically, the monarch, who is the head of the Church of England, claims descent from gods from two mutually exclusive pagan religions. And uh, here's, a, here's another British fact that sounds made up. I struck nine Cadbury's cream eggs up my bottom. Bychester is pronounced Bister. Talchester is pronounced Toaster. Worcester, 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 Worcestershire, Leicester is pronounced Leicester. Are you confused yet? It is illegal to carry a salmon in suspicious circumstances. Yes, yeah, so this morning I, um, I I got stuck in an Uber. Well, not literally in like traffic or anything. Uh, my uh, seatbelt got stuck and uh, I needed uh, 12 good men and true, a full jury to get me out of it. Well, not actually, just a couple of guys. And the uh, seatbelt got stuck in 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 the um, in the sort of locked contraption thing, and uh, as, as much as I pressed the button and pulled and whinnied and everything else, I couldn't get out of it. And I don't know if it was because I uh, I don't know I, I, I had my I had my leather gloves on. I was trying to press it, and I was, I was sort of panicking really. I had a lot of shopping to do. I had to get some turkey breasts. Hopefully they're not brined. I made that mistake the other week where I thought they were, thought it wasn't brined and it was brined, so it turned out very, very salty. Almost as salty as me being stuck in an Uber. But I, I, I feel that my hands were too big, and they often are in, in different circumstances, where my hands are too large, and I couldn't, I couldn't press the button in the right place to release. And the gentleman who uh, released it, the Uber driver, and uh, and his friend. He, um, you know, they had smaller hands, and I think that that was the key. Although, I have to say, I found the other day, I bought myself some extra-large thermal gloves. And these are lovely and warm. Now, my thumb, first finger, forefinger, third finger, the naughty finger, the uh, fourth finger, perfectly fit. But my, my pinky was too small, so I have a, like a little, a little bit of the glove that sort of bends over because my pinky is too small. Now, why am I, why am I extra large on my thumb and three fingers, but my pinky finger, my little finger, isn't big enough to fill the gap in the glove? Now, I don't think it's going to affect my masculinity or something. I'm not going to go around saying, oh, hello, look at me. I've got a very small pinky finger. I'm not going to do that. No, no, never do that. All my other fingers are large, they're like poking out the top, but I've got a very, very small little finger. Anybody else have that, uh, you know, when we're talking about small appendages, like a little the little pointer thing at the end, the thing we don't really use very much, is tiny. Uh, my teacher told me not to worry about spelling, because in the future there will be autocorrect, and for that I am eternally grapefruit. Today is Stir It Up Sunday. Stir It Up Sunday is the last Sunday before Advent in the Christian calendar. In 2022, it's today, November the 20th. Stir Up Sunday is also the day when people in the UK make their Christmas puddings, our traditional Christmas Day dessert, but it's time to make your Christmas Christmas cake too. 
Stirred Up Sunday, originally Stirred Up Sunday had nothing to do with dessert, it was all about religion. Stir up, we beseech thee, the Lord, O wills, O faithful people, they plenteously, bringing forth the fruits of good work, may thee be plenteously rewarded through Jesus Christ our Lord. This prayer is said in many Christian churches on the last Sunday before Advent. It's meant to prepare the congregation for Advent and to stir them up. To be mindful of the season, it also means you can also do good works in the message of Jesus Christ our Lord at Christmas. At some point in the 1700s, people also realised it's a good day to make their Christmas pudding. A good Christmas pud needs time to mellow and age to improve the flavours, much like me over 45 years, and four weeks is about perfect for this process. Of course, you don't have to make your Christmas pudding on Stirred Up Sunday. It's just a fun tradition. A Sunday may be a good choice, though, as Christmas pudding does take several hours to make and lots of brandy. You have to soak, you have to, you have to soak the brandy in. You have to feed the pudding. Feed me the pudding, Seymour. Equally, if you don't have time to make Christmas pudding until Stirred Up Sunday, the pudding should still taste good. I've aged Christmas puddings for as little as two weeks with good results, but you have to be on it. Many Christmas pudding re- recipes have been for generations. Like a family recipe, Charles Dickens writes about the historic dessert in a Christmas carol. Unlike the North American pudding, a traditional Christmas pudding is more like a heavy cake full of dried fruit and flavoured with brandy or very dark beer. Nowadays, lighter recipes are becoming more popular and there are even more Christmas pudding recipes with chocolate and non-traditional ingredients in them. Traditionalists may frown, but they're really, really yummy. Making a Christmas pud involves a great deal of stirring. The ingredients in Christmas pudding need to be mixed by hand as they're quite heavy and the mixture is also very stiff. I never know no lot about a stiff pudding, matron. Traditionally, the whole family takes place. Each member of the family takes a turn to stir the pudding mixture. Generally, the youngest child stirs the pudding first and then moves in order of age. When it's your turn, you make a wish. The wish is to be kept secret, a bit like when you blow out your birthday candles. In years gone by, charms were hidden in Christmas puddings. They were steamed from sixpences to frimbles. Everything has to meaning, and each charm was reputed to tell the fortune of the finder. If you found a sixpence in your pudding, you were said to be going to be rich. A thimble indicated you'd always be a spinster or bachelor, and a ring meant you'd be married within the year. Well, it saves you the price of a ring, I suppose, but it'll have like brown pudding all over it which looks rather dodgy this done less frequently nowadays is due to health and safety concerns many of us wrap a single pound coin in waxed or grease proof paper to tuck it in the uh, person who finds a pound coin is meant to be lucky all year the pudding is steamed first on stirred up sunday usually for six to twelve hours depending on the recipe after the pudding is steamed it's cooled wrapped in cheesecloth or grease proof paper and foil and stored in a cool place not the fridge christmas puddings taste better if they are allowed to mellow for the few weeks in a cool place on christmas day the pudding is then steamed again usually for a couple of hours um how do you make old-fashioned christmas pudding though an authentic victorian christmas pudding would be the recipe of the day. Trish, traditional Christmas pudding is an integral part of British celebrations. It's deliciously dark, sticky dried fruit, studded dessert with a complex warming flavor often served with brandy custard, brandy butter or cream. So this recipe has been passed down four generations as seen in illustrations of a Christmas carol depicting a flaming pudding being carried proudly to the table. Similar imagery is still used in advertisements in the UK today. Traditional Christmas pudding is more like a heavy cake. It's made with raisins, other dried fruit, brandy or stout. Sometimes it contains nuts as well. Uh, Also, people get very passionate about their Christmas pudding recipes. At the end of the Christmas lunch or dinner, the pudding is garnished with holly and doused with brandy or alcohol, which is then lit. It creates a spectacle. 
Some people put vodka for the flaming instead of brandy. Oh, heathens. Flame for longer the better, leave the flavor of the pudding unaffected. After the flames go out, the pudding is sliced into small slices, a little goes a long way, and served with brandy custard, uh, brandy butter, or cream. These are some of the ingredients in a traditional Christmas pudding. Half a lemon rind and juice, eight ounces of currants, eight ounces of raisins, sultanas, three ounces of brandy, half an orange, suet, eight ounces of suet, uh, you could use butter-flavored shortening set, eight ounces of moist brown sugar, eight ounces of cooking apples, mixed peel, four ounces, four ounces of flour, four eggs, breadcrumbs, four ounces, a little bit of salt and some mixed spice. Soak the currants, raisins and sultanas in the brandy lemon juice overnight. In the morning, mix with suet, flour, sugar, salt, spices, mixed peel, breadcrumbs, apples and eggs. Then all the ingredients should be included at this point. Mix with a wooden spoon until completely combined. Grease two pint pudding basins. Fill three quarters full with this mixture to wrap the pudding for steaming. You need to layer a sheet of aluminium foil over a sheet of grease with paper or wax paper. Pick up both with a pleat down the center and put this on top of your pudding firmly wrapped around. You need a large steamer or saucepan or pudding bowl needs much larger than the bowl itself. Place a small heatproof saucer upside down on the bottom of each saucepan and place your prepared pudding bowl on top of the saucer. Carefully fill the edges of the saucepan with water about halfway up. Bring the water to a slow boil so the pudding can steam gradually. You need it to be on top of the water very regularly so the pudding does not boil itself dry. After eight hours of gentle steaming, remove the saucepan from the heat and let it cool down a bit. You need to have a good tea towel close by as the pudding bowl will be wet. Dry the bowl off, remove the paper foil, string and sit the pudding in the bowl on a heat proof surface. When the pudding bowl is completely cool, remove the grease, grease through paper and foil and tie a fresh piece of grease proof paper and foil just as before. The pudding improves with age, so store in a cool place away from drafts until Christmas. So you're talking about my rather small pinky finger. The queen apparently hated her hands, says a photographer. The late queen was probably the most photographed person on the planet. There was uh, one part of her she did not like to expose to the camera lens, her hands. The photographer Rankin says he is uh, once turned up or turned down his request to pose for a portrait with a sword using the excuse that she did not like her hands. Despite her reluctance, Rankin was later contacted by Buckingham Palace to let him know that the picture he took for the Golden Jubilee in 20. 02 was one of her favorites because she was smiling so much. Rankin was one of the 10 photographers invited to take the Queen's picture for the Jubilee. Her picture showed her in wearing bright pink lipstick in front of the Union Jack. Despite describing the sitting in an interview recorded before the Queen's death, he said, Tea with the Twiggy podcast. Of course, she came in and there was this wave of empowerment that washes over you. I've never felt this aura. She was just so funny from the minute she walked in. I was like, I really want to photograph you holding the sword. I don't like my hands. It's best to get out of holding the sword. I'm probably not supposed to say that, but I love what I loved about it. she's so smart and everything in response to what she was saying is amazing. Twist to it. It was just really, really brilliant. I loved it. I spent five minutes with her, so I don't know her intimately. Rankin said that before the shoot, he had seen the Queen laughing and joking with the footman, which something he wanted to capture in his portrait. I was in the throne room and she was walking down the corridor. I could see her with the footman walking. We were both laughing, just cracking up. And this reflected in the portrait. I got a really amazing note where the curator said my photographs are one of her favorites, but she really is laughing in the picture. 
In an interview in 2002, he described how the Queen gently teased him during the sitting. I never really get nervous, but she walked into the room and all of a sudden I was a bundle of nerves. She got my sense of humour. She took the mickey out of me. The sink lead fell out of the camera. She started smiling and joking. Oh, you do have a lot of equipment, don't you? And the launch of the patriotic French mascot for the Paris 2024 Olympics has been embarrassment, but it was mocked for looking like female genitalia and turned out to be made in China. The mischievous little personalities in the shape of, uh, of caps worn by the revolutionaries in 1789 were launched on Monday, intended as a stylish break from the cuddly animal figures usually chosen to embody the games. Uh, we chose an ideal rather than an animal, said Tony Escadi, the uh, president of the organizing committee, as he revealed the mascots for each of the games. We chose the cap as it's a symbol of liberty, and also a very strong message linked to the revolution which we want for these games. But the mascots, which have official games logo branded across the red chess, ran quickly into trouble. Foreigners who do not know about the caps as worn by Marianne, the symbol of the Republic, uh, known as Fridges or pronounced uh, Frigier. The uh, International Olympic Committee suggests that the correct pronunciation is Frigier. Other wondered about the associating fun-loving mascots with a bloody episode when tens of thousands of people guillotined. Social and mainstream media then latched onto the way the red triangular design of the uh, Frigi, hopefully not frigid, resembles the uh, anatomical rendering of uh, lady parts, basically. This, uh, first by placing the Olympic Games under the authority of this female organ, our uh, country is making a very strong statement. Nobody can now say with impunity that, uh, <laughs> that this part looks like the latest model of Toyota. On the continent, Toyota is known for its silly pseudo-Latin-sounding names of the cars, Yaris and Prius. By the third day, it was revealed that most two million mascots and auto souvenirs were most environmentally excellent but made in China. It's a problem, says Christophe Berchou, the environmental minister, when we're explaining that we need local distribution channels and restore local production. We cannot be making mascots on the other side of the world. This is not to get the uh, French tickler too close to the mascot. That's how I sound in the morning on my way down the stairs here. And I'm also humming a happy tune. Okay, so a little tip for you. If you're making mashed potato and you've got lots of it, made a lovely toad in the hole in a week, um, but I had lots of mashed potato left over. And I was getting down to the bare minimums in my fridge. I mean, it was almost like the war. It was sort of rations were involved here. Um, so I made and I, I got the little mashed potato pieces and I pat them into little patties, almost circular croquettes, and then I fried them in a little bit of, cover them in flour and fried them. They were a beautiful little breakfast addition there. You have that with an omelet, mmm, ooh la la, delicious, absolutely delicious. But something else though, I also took a risk in the week. It's a huge risk, I tell you. It's almost like uh, scaling Everest for me or uh, maybe doing a bungee jump. But the huge risk in the week was eating two-week-old clam chowder that said it was good until after Thanksgiving, but I was taking the Russian roulette of clams. One of those little beauties could have hit me. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't be able to do the podcast today if I had eaten a bad clam. So that was uh, a little bit of clam Russian roulette during the week. This is somebody moaning in the week here. And still nothing works. 
But worse now, nobody expects anything to work. The trains are late, the roads potholed, the classroom leaks, the GPs enraged, the ambulances queue, the rivers are toilets. There are a shortage of eggs, I tell you. There's a shortage of eggs. That would never happen in my day. And we shrug this off, totally normal to live in the fifth ranchest country in the world and not be able to make a bloody omelette. Don't throw bloody omelettes at me. Okay, so there's a lot of adverts at the moment. Those, those mischievous AI elves are really out in force at this time of year. So a lot of adverts about men's soap. And basically they say, if you smother yourself with this type of soap, you'll be irresistible to women. Absolutely irresistible. But there's now a type of soap that's a lotion designed for your balls. So for the men in your life, I mean, I'm not going to go around buying this for anybody, obviously. But for the men in your life, and I don't want this, by the way, if anybody decides to buy me this, it's a lotion for your balls and it smells like pine tower, pine tar. So you want your balls to smell like an old fashioned 1940s cigarette. Um, you know, you remove your undercrackers. Oh, my darling, you smell like a old fashioned cigarette. And you smoked 40 of them. Those, those bulbous things below the belt smell, smell like an old fag, you know? I mean, you don't want that, do you, really? You don't want your balls smelling of old cigarettes, do you? All that sort of old-fashioned smell. Now, give me a sort of lavender splash any day. Brits have been left shocked and indeed horrified in hysterics by Asda's latest festive line of a Christmas-themed lubricant range. Images were shared on the Reddit page Casual UK of a bottle of Tingle All The Way prompting a mixture of shock and laughter from many. Adorned with snowflakes and traditional festive green color scheme, the product has not been tested on animals, <laughs> only, only the very horny. As it's often the case with this sort of thing, many saw there's an opportunity to flex their comic muscles and comments section was filled with X-rated Christmas jokes. It helps Santa up the chimney. Love a bit of stuffing on Christmas Day, one adds. Helps a guy empty his sack. Uh, one Redditor wondered if Tingle All The Way pun was a reference to the ingredients in the lube. Let's hope it's not mint and we don't want anything t smelling or tasting of cinnamon. Original source mint and trees shower gel. That would definitely be a night to remember. That's the one I use, and it definitely gives you a spruce caboose and a tingle in the morning. I mean, if it had glitter in it, you could have festive glitter in every orifice. Then you could tell if you've been a good boy and that Santa was coming. So horses and humans are very, very similar. I read this in the week. There's different personalities, both equine and human. Uh, so... If you, this, this is the writer, he plucks a teammate from the 1970s, Trevor Hebbard, who says it had huge natural ability but lacked the confidence to show it on a Saturday. Horses are the same. You get different characters, the lazy horse, the horse that saves a bit, the free-going horse, and the one that gives you everything. It's about controlling the speed and putting it where you want it. But every trainer, horse trainer, what we call morning glories. They come out in the morning brilliant, but get to the track and they're no good. So we have a nice bloodthirsty impaler to end with one of the 15th century Central European despots with a reputation for fantastically inventive cruelty accused of monstrosities such as boiling his enemies alive in a copper cauldron. The other was a fictional Transylvanian vampire dreamt up by Bram Stoker, an Irish theatre manager during his spare time in the British Museum's reading room. For decades, scholars have argued whether Vlad the Impaler, known as Vlad Dracula, provided the basis for Bram Stoker's Count Dracula if there's little in common 
beyond a name. Now a team of unorthodox researchers are investigating their theory that may in fact be a solid link, a rare medical condition that causes people to weep tears of blood, Gleb and Svetlana Zilberstein, Russian-born technology entrepreneurs born and based in Israel, are examining Vlad the Impaler's letters for telltale traces of protein that could hint the previously undiscovered health problems. Vlad was the ruler of Wachedia, now Romania, three times between 1448 and 1476. The territory was frequently attacked by the neighboring uh, kingdom of Hungary and the Ottoman Empire. He has distinctly mixed legacy. Some Romanians regard him as a national hero, a gifted general and ruthless but skillful diplomat. Others, contemporary chroniclers in Hungary and German, Germany, cast him as a blood-soaked tyrant with a streak of savagery who massacred civilians and pale monks and had poor people burnt at the stake. Samples on the documents are by, analyzed by Pier Rigotto Rigatti, emeritus of, uh, a professor at the Polytechnic University of Milan. Using a mass spectrometer, a sensitive device that can identify even vanishingly small traces of chemicals, it seems we're already finding some unique properties. If we get good results, it'll be a bombshell. In Vlad the Impaler's case, the team are particularly interested in proteins that could be associated with a condition, hamalurusia, a tears of blood, which could be caused by anything from a tumor to a bacterial infection. Gleb Zilberstein suggests that this might give rise to folk legends that ultimately associate with the rule of vampirism. It's an interesting question. These Central European traditions have some folk literature behind them, possibly influenced with folk tales transformed into fictional Count Dracula. In some places, the blood of a time was thought to be a blessing of the god. The study is technically challenging. For one thing, the team has never previously looked for human, pro human proteins on documents that are this old. While some proteins can remain stable for centuries, others break down more quickly. Look at the Monica Lewinsky dress. There is also difficulty of working out which traces are left by Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> Bill Clinton the Impaler, which comes from the other people who have handled the letters over the past five years. Rigatti said the individual samples could be dated back by measuring the levels of certain amino acids. The building blocks of protein, these are known to have been relatively stable in the rate of decay. Vad the Impaler. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. It's been lovely, lovely, lovely having you here. Just to let you know, we're probably going to fit in one episode of the podcast next Sunday. All the holidays and all the cooking, all the celebrations. So there's probably only going to be one edition of the podcast. That'll be next Sunday. There may be another one fit in. If it is, it's a nice little seasonal holiday surprise for you, isn't it? Like a Christmas cookie or biscuit with a little bit too much ice and sugar on it if you like this podcast like and subscribe across apple Podcasts, spotify as an audio version slacker breaker iheart radio you can listen on audible amazon music google podcasts almost anywhere to be honest as they analyze vladian players blood on these possible documents you can hear little droplets little audio droplets of keep calm and cauliflower cheese emanating from the ancient manuscripts if you like music, though, and you probably prefer music to listen to me rambling on here, there's an audio version, a Butler Emporium musical edition of the podcast. And this week, you can have such wonderful things as I feel so pretty from West Side Story. Some wet leg, chase, 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 
some Aztec camera, a little bit of winter Aztec camera, some Elton John. It's Elton's last performance. It'll be at the Dodgers Stadium on Disney Plus uh, this evening. I think I'm going to be watching it. I'm so pleased I got to see him on his last, you know, probably the fourth concert from the end, third concert from the end, something like that. We have a week in Denver. Uh, also, we have a little bit of crimbo music as well. Who's going to ride those wild horses? And uh, if you're, you could decide to ride off on a wild horse if you want, or you can sail in absolute calm serenity with some yacht rock at the end of the program on the Butler Emporium Musical Edition. Coming up next, a poem. The snow is still lingering and snow is falling to the ground, piling up in enormous mounds. School is cancelled for the day. Children run outside to play. Snowballs are thrown into the air, but nobody else will care about school. Only fun because the snow in the day is a snowy one. Snowmen are stacked very high. Their top hats almost skim the sky. To make them round, they must pat and finish off with mittens and a hat. As the weather gets cold, the children are told to come inside and eat hot and drink hot chocolate with a couple of treats. Once the kids are done, they put on their gear for much more fun. Some of them play around while other kids lay on the ground. Other kid makes snow angels until the dog called Mr. Bojangles runs for his masterpiece. And then the owner calls cease. After Bojangles ruins all the snow angels, kids slide down the hill till they're bitten by a chill. Almost over as the day, the children start to walk away. As snow falls, so does the sun. Time to go in. The day is done. As I said, I'll be back again next Sunday for another edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese as we approach, hopefully, a snowy, seasonal, delightful December for us all. Until next time, have a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving for all of you listening in the US and around the world. Cheerio for now. Very strong feelings. I can tell you that. So pretty, I feel pretty. I feel uh, Qatari. I feel pretty and witty and gay. I feel uh, Qatari. I feel pretty and witty and gay. Was bullied because I had uh, red hair. Do the shake and back and put the freshness back. Do the shake and back and put the freshness.